You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. right gang we are back and better than last week we hope we've reached the final weekend of the preseason as we record here on saturday the 27th a uh, bunch of games happening today and tomorrow then uh, rosters have to get from 80 to 53 so fast and furious uh the waiver wire is going to be crazy and a lot of coaches are saying goodbye to players they've been working with for six months. Uh, a bunch of them might come back, practice squad and so forth. But uh, always a tough time of year, I think, for, uh, well, these players. I mean, they got to be pretty nervous going into the next few days. But, uh, well, a lot of them have an opportunity to make that one last ditch uh, time to shine, so to speak, in the last preseason game and maybe make a statement to stay. Going into this week, I was thinking about joint practices and preseason games. we got a, a bunch of topics to get to. But then all of a sudden, Aaron Donald lost his mind at a joint practice. So that kind of really didn't throw a wrench into things. But it, it is a little bit different conversation. Two back sets. Are we going to see them coming back, using that second back almost as a receiver? i got a handful of teams here that probably could do it very easily. Baker starter in in carolina i think that was uh, pretty apparent once they made the trade but here we go baker mayfield uh is now entrenched and will go against the browns opening day uh dana white with some interesting comments about a deal that supposedly he was brokering between uh the new england patriots and the las vegas raiders i don't think the patriots were aware of it at the time but uh yeah supposedly brady and gronk were going to go to las vegas and gruden stepped in uh hard knocks again never disappoints key on that a little bit and a couple of our guys uh doing all right in preseason and let's see if they can make the final 53 so alex all right here we go joint practices versus preseason games what are you thinking well, joint practices can get heated. You know, obviously, we saw that with Aaron Donald. There was a video posted on Twitter where he was holding a bayonet and swinging it before he got knocked down to the ground, and he was like held back. Obviously, something indicated that. I don't think Aaron Donald would be doing something petty, childish like that. So um, I'm sure some Bengals offensive lineman got under his skin. I like the joint practice. You get a chance to kind of practice in a really competitive environment because you can take a go against your team, your guys, right? But you want to kind of heat of the moment and test yourself against, you know, a different offensive line or a different defensive line. So I like the, the fact that there are more joint practices in general between teams. I've never been a big fan of preseason. There was four preseason games now there are three preseason games but i still think it's too much see what they need to see in practice in otas and training camp they realize which is they want to keep based on uh, their work and practice so i was i was always against these season games nobody plays anyway it's exhibition games nobody cares i mean the players the the established starters they usually sit during these, you know, uh, preseason games and smart coaches don't play them. So I hope they cut it back to like one or two games and 
and get these guys arrested? Because, I mean, the regular season is what matters. Well, a couple of things. As far as AD is concerned, yeah. I mean, he, I obviously, I mean, he's been one of my guys since he was back at Pitt. And it really, I mean, it, it, it shocked me. But then I guess you take a step back and think about it, and here they are going against uh, you know, the team that they beat in the Super Bowl. So, of course, I would imagine Cincinnati's coming in with a huge chip on their shoulder. And, again, there's no uh, no fans there or anything like that. Now, again, there's a limited number of fans, but it's not on TV. But And I would think all the new offensive linemen for Cincinnati was like, hey, this is, you know, you know, there's a couple of new sheriffs in town here. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And playing to the echo of the whistle, maybe after the whistle. And evidently at some point, AD had enough and just, uh, yeah, but swinging helmets like that. My God, if he connects with one of those, especially on the guy that lost his helmet, I mean, that would just be, so I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of furor on the internet about, well, geez, you know, he should be banned. He should be suspended, all this stuff. Well, the NFL, in terms of practice, they leave it to the teams. So it's going to be up to the teams for any sort of discipline that comes out of this. But like you said, I mean, in in most every NFL practice, there's just going to be guys that are going to be going a lot harder than others. I mean, you've got entrenched starters and you've got guys trying to make a team. Yeah, it's going to get a little nutty. You know, the starter doesn't want to get hurt. And the guy trying to make the team is – playing you know balls to the wall as much as he can just to make a name for himself to get on the team so um so that takes me to the preseason games where it's a lot of times it's backups versus backups and it's really the only chance these guys get in real game conditions to show what they can do so the rookies i mean one namely is kenny pickett i mean kenny pickett's put his name you know right at the front of the list here just based on what he does in the game supposedly practices haven't gone as well for him as they have for trubisky but in the games he's just been lights out so you know again a lot of these guys aren't going to be playing on the team in these preseason games yet the nfl charges full price right um so the joint practices are more intriguing for me and again i i I agree with you here because you get ones versus ones a lot better work. It's more controlled. So you can set up different uh, situational stuff where the coaches have goal line, red zone, you know, third and long, you know, whatever, whatever situations they want to set up. And you can do it three, four, five, six times in a row and really work on stuff. Uh, and again, it just seems to be more apparent. More coaches are doing it. Again, as you mentioned, Alex, these guys, more coaches are holding their guys out. I mean, Andy Reid might be one of the last ones that's a little bit more old school where he's playing as starters. I mean, Mahomes played, you know, I think one or two series in the first game, almost the entire half uh, or at least the entire quarter in the second game. Now, he didn't play in the third game. But, uh, yeah, it just seems like coaches like it better, players. And, again, for the bottom of your roster, maybe the game so they keep they keep it at two. Uh, eventually they'll get to the 18th regular season game. So I would imagine at very least they would cut the preseason games down to two. But for now, yeah, try to keep those fights to a minimum, not so you know crazy with uh, helmet swinging and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I think, again, joint practices are here to stay, and they're only going to continue to increase. Second topic, uh, the two back sets, and I, I would I, – 
as I'm preparing for my fantasy draft and I'm looking at all these running back by committee and so forth and, you know, transitioning into PPR leagues, you know, it just got me thinking, you know, there's a bunch of teams that have a second back that could almost act as a receiver. You know, are we going to start seeing that type of formation proliferate? Not that you're, they're ever going to replace the, the typical slot guy, but, you know, you got Zeke and Pollard, um, you know, Sanders and Gainwell in Philadelphia, Robinson and Gibson in, in Washington, Dylan and Jones in Green Bay. And again, for them, it's more out of necessity because, you know, the wide receiver position is such in flux. Jacksonville with Robinson and Etienne, uh, JT and Hines in Indianapolis, Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland. So you got a lot of these. Do you, do you is that a thing? Am I like really stretching this? Am I losing my mind here? No, I don't think so. I think uh, teams are, have been transitioning and use guys, and a lot more teams do that nowadays. You know, it's about keeping that primary guy fresh. I mean, it's about having some of those dynamic uh, running back and line up as slot receivers, guys that catch the ball really well out of the backfield. It gives you that extra dimension. You you don't know who's going to get the ball, so. I think just looking at the evolution of football, maybe maybe in the last like three or five years, we don't have, we have very few teams have that feature back, like a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor. You know, teams you know, want to split those carries and want to keep their primary guy fresh. So, and it makes more dangerous. It makes the offenses more and more unpredictable just because you can mix it up. I mean, who's going to get the ball? Is it a run? Is it a pass? So I, I think it's about just cleaning up the playbook and being more unpredictable with your offensive schemes. Yeah, I think it'd just be cool to see both guys on the field at the same time, just to kind of as a package or just kind of as a change up. And again, these guys are such good receivers anymore and they have to be especially coming out of college with just what you said i mean there aren't many three down backs anymore there's always coming in and out so the more you can do and obviously because of the the contract situations and what they're paying running backs you got to be multi-dimensional to get on the field and carve out a niche for yourself and if you can do it as a receiver and still have that deadly runner in the backfield and moving that guy around like a chess piece, the second guy, you know, it could, it could be pretty, uh, pretty difficult for a defense to, to match up. So uh, let's see how that, that transpires. Just something I was kicking around and thought uh, might be a pretty neat thing to see. Okay. Baker's getting a start for Carolina. Are we, first off, are we sleeping on the Panthers a little bit? You think, you know, this, this could be a team that wins like nine or 10 games. I actually think the Carolina Panthers are going to win this division. Not the Saints. That's, that's, not the Bucks. Alex going full. Okay, all right. That's what I like to hear. Let's do it. Let's make a stand. Panthers. Well, you and I are going to do like an NFL preview, Nick, and we'll predict the, the divisions, the Super Bowl winner. This is one of my teams. I had Carolina Panthers making the last year, but they disappointed me after their – 3-0 and start, kind of all collapsed, and Christian McCaffrey got injured again. If McCaffrey stays healthy, with Baker Mayfield kind of fights life against the wall, with Matt Rule knowing that 
doesn't get this team into the playoffs, he's probably going to be coaching college guys, going to be back in, in college football in, in next season. So I just think that when the team is against the wall like this, when you've got desperate, you know, a desperate coaching staff, a desperate quarterback trying to establish himself, trying to get that extension, trying to establish himself as a good starting quarterback in this league. I think there are a lot of things working for them. I think the Panthers' defense is going to be very good, and that's probably the part that's going to that's going to set them apart. I believe it's not only Baker and Chris McCaffrey; it's not the off defense is going to carry the day. So. I'm a believer in the Pants knowing that the Bucks are going through the transition period. They've got a coach. You know, they have a 45-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady. I mean, let's be honest here. I, I think the Saints are going to take a step back. I don't think this is a playoff team. The Falcons aren't going to do much. So, again, I, to me, the front runners division are the Carolina Panthers. And I'm, I, I've stated this, I think, in May. I thought they were going like, to do really well now that they've added Baker and he's the starting quarterback. And they're kicking. In the final game, Baker Mayfield looked good. I mean, connecting, he looked confident, something that he was lacking like in the last year of, you know, when he was playing with the Browns. He just looks like a different quarterback on a mid right now. Hopefully his confidence continues to grow in this offense. I think the offensive coordinator believes in him. They obviously named her. Sam Darnold now is injured with an ankle sprain, right? He's only going to be out for like four or five weeks. So he's not going to have that hanging over his head. This is Baker's team. I'm a believer. I think the Panthers are going to be good. I'm not seeing on them. Well, they do have some weapons. I mean, obviously, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, a wide receiver, and, and obviously the ultimate weapon, Christian McCaffrey. And again, it's just been this big if. So to lay down a bet, now I'm not going to go as far as you and say they're the front runner at this point. I mean, if you, you like them and it's kind of an upset pick, okay, I got you there. But you got to believe that still Tampa Bay is going to be the, the front runner, although that margin has certainly uh gotten a lot smaller with all the injuries that they've had in the offensive line during the uh, during the uh preseason and training camp um not everybody is quite healthy you know Brady leaving the team so during during training camp for like 10 days or whatever and we'll hit that in just a second but uh but the fact that New Orleans, again, they've added some weapons on offense. Uh, Kamara's suspension doesn't look like it's going to, or I guess pending suspension, doesn't look like it's going to happen even this season. So that's going to be going to help them. I think for them, it's all going to come down to Jameis Winston. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it, the gap is certainly a lot closer, and I believe it, it is a little bit more open. I mean, Atlanta probably not going to contend, but I can see the Panthers with that defense and Baker distributing the ball. Again, the big if, McCaffrey, if he's healthy for the entire season or maybe even just misses a game or two with nothing serious, that's going to be a tough team to really contend within that division. So, are they a playoff team? Well, are I they think a playoff we'll make our, team. When you look at them, we'll make our picks next week. But uh, I, I, I'm not ready to go there quite yet. Now, give me a week. I, I can certainly change my mind. Uh, but you know, I got this fantasy drafts coming up. My my head's kind of full of stuff. Not 
not prepared to make the Panthers a playoff team quite yet. But I do like them. I do like them. Um, so I just th- think I just think we'll do the preview next week. Yeah. But I just think the the only division in the NFC is the West. The West has legitimate three teams for sure that can make the playoffs again. But other than that, the other division, I mean, they look pretty wide weak open. besides knowing that. Yeah, it's kind of wide open at this point. That's why I think, like, even if you're not ready to say that the Panthers will win this division, and that is on a limb, but I do think, based on what we see on paper, on their roster, this is a playoff team. Because, like, I can't see other teams making it, like, out of the East or the NFC North. I mean, besides, like, someone with NFC East and then maybe the Packers taking the NFC North. I think pretty weak in, in that regard. And that's why I think the Panthers can sneak in as like fifth or a sixth or a seventh team. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it's very, it's very top heavy. You know, I mean, you've got the Rams, you've got the, the 49ers, you've got Arizona, you mentioned the three teams in the West. And then, yeah, I mean, what are the Packers going to be? I mean, I tend to like Minnesota a little bit better than you do. Uh, and then the East is just, you, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, I, I think the Eagles are the team that it, everybody's sweetheart right now that, hey, they're, they've put together, a, you know, even more on offense, adding A.J. Brown, another year for Jalen Hurts to be, you know, in that offense, ready to rock and roll. I mean, this just looks like a team defensively. I mean, again, I mean, but they have to do it on the field. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun show next week and see where, where these picks come down, especially the NFC. All right, so there were some words uh, during a UFC fight. There was a uh, a Gronk cast, if you would, during this uh, UFC fight. And somehow, you know, during the conversation, and you know, Gronk says something about the Raiders and Vegas and going back a couple of years. And Dana White decides to, you know, hey, I'm going to tell this story where supposedly he was putting together a deal or it was uh, kind of a, a middleman to bring Brady and Gronk to the Raiders while Gruden was still there. Obviously, this is before, uh, obviously before he went to Tampa Bay and they won a Super Bowl. Um, but then it comes out, uh, you know, that, that when push came to shove, uh, Gruden was like, no. And then the more I thought of it, I'm thinking, okay, Gruden, he's kind of a, a, a me guy. You know, I think it's, it's, it's uh, well documented by now. A little bit of a control freak. And I just couldn't see him giving the, the offense away to a quarterback. I mean, everybody where he's been, it's just, you know, you never know who the guy is going to be. He falls in love with guys and falls out of love with guys just, just as quickly. And could you imagine him just giving the offense over to Brady, like, you know, basically uh, Arians did with Tampa Bay and say, okay, we're going to run your offense, all this other stuff. And of course, you know, he wasn't going to do that when push came to shove and he let it go. I, but it was just amazing that, okay, out of the blue, Dana White put this together. And uh, so I don't know. I, I found it funny. I would imagine there's some truth to it. Gronk, you know, he, he didn't disavow it. I mean, he's like, yeah, that's pretty much the way it happened. So what, what do you think? I mean, that, was that uh, shocking to you? Or do you think like, yeah, that sounds about right. There was other teams involved. Shocking to me that Gruden didn't sign up for that because I mean, Brady went to the Bucks and they won a Super Bowl. So you know how much Gruden loved uh, veteran quarterback throughout his 
tenure in the NFL, even before he came back to the Raiders this time around. He never trusted young guys. So I think he would be on board with the quarterback that he could trust, with the quarterback that has won six Super Bowls to his name. And to me, having Tom Brady there over Derek Carr is an upgrade, knowing that you can bring in Gronk and maybe a few other receivers would join the team and where the offense would be kicking. It would it would be fun to see. And to me, the Raiders would have been a playoff uh, just having Tom Brady around. What has Derek Carr won? Has Derek Carr won any games in, in cold weather during his, you know, tenure? Has he won any games like in December that really they, – they don't. I mean, Derek Carr is a nice quarterback. He's, he's a good quarterback. He's not a championship level. And I think McDaniel is going to find that out pretty soon. Have Brady around. I mean, that was silly. I mean, Gruden wants to be the guy, like you said. He wants to be in full control. He wants to be the star, but he else. But having one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game – I mean, how can you pass a chance? I mean, Mayock should have here a little bit. But I guess, you know, the way the drafts kind of play out for the Raiders, I mean, you see, like, them messing up every first-round pick or early-round picks. I mean, you kind of imagine that Gruden probably fell in love with these guys, that Mayock probably didn't make these picks. Because I think when Mayock and his scouts made the picks, unlike... You know, day three, they some guys like Max Crosby, Nate Hobbs, Hunter Renfro. They found some gems, guys that are contributing to this team. Every early round pick, the Raiders just screwed up. I just think Mike Mayock probably had the the handcuffs there on day one and day two. Well, like they, they always said, I mean, he had Gruden had 51%, which is basically 100% of the you know, in terms of personnel situations and in terms of the Brady thing. Yeah. I mean, just on the surface of it, you know, yeah, you're Tom Brady, of course, but, but again, it's, it, it, it kind of goes against Gruden's DNA of being completely in charge. And I think that's why he had some of these veteran, you know, maybe lesser talented type quarterbacks where it was all on him and he like calls and this is the way we're going to run things. And it's, you know, West coast, West coast, this is what we're doing. Okay. And you know, if you can't do it, you can't spit out these plays. that are like, you know, two paragraphs long to, to call in the huddle and, and everything else and make the proper read, you know, you're out, which Brady could probably, I mean, obviously could do anything, but then again, that's like uh, seizing control. It's like giving it away to Tom. And I think it just wasn't going to be good enough for, for Gruden to be able to do that, to be able to just sit on the sideline and watch this guy kind of take his baby away from him. So, uh, but there's been a, so much noise around Brady and it's, it seems like in the last year or so, and again, from what we've heard, I mean, going back, there might've been a lot of other stuff that was kind of, kind of swept under the rug, not necessarily swept under the rug, but just wouldn't be voiced in New England. But so this uh, social media, Tom, and so forth, fun, Tom, everything looks good. But there's a lot of stuff kind of behind the scenes now. They're like, what what the hell's going on here? I mean, he retires. Then there's, you know, the whole flirtation with the Dolphins and perhaps Sean Payton becoming the coach and he's going to be part ownership. Then that kind of blows up with the Flores deal and Flores suit. 
And then he unretires and his coach is suspiciously reassigned when he had, it seemed like had no intentions of quitting or not coaching anymore. Uh, so, oh, so he does come back. Okay. He's going to play. And then he goes to training camp. Then all of a sudden, Oh, he, Tom's going to be away from the team for a while in the middle of training camp, which, you know, you think of Brady, you would think there's nothing nothing outside of like the death of a close family member that's going to get him out of there. But who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he agreed to do something with his family when he was, you know, air quotes retired. And then it was like, Hey, I, you know, I promised my wife, we're going to do this, you know, kids, whatever. But 10 days during in the middle of training, I mean, it just seems like so much going on around him now around the Bucks. We talked a little bit about that. We're talking about the NFC South. So uh, can he now overcome all this, the injuries in the offensive line, these breaks, now all these, you know, these stories coming out about, you know, the tampering uh, and constant tampering, it seems like, by the Dolphins over a couple of different seasons, and now the Raiders. And so, I don't know. I mean, this just this is just seems like a lot more intrigue than we even expected, right? It's like a Santa Barbara soap opera. Hello? I mean, it kind of like, you know, Tom Brady was the this choir boy with the Patriots. You knew that he was controlled by Bill Belichick, and now he's got this freedom. And, you know, there were also rumors out there that he was like a part of Masked Singer. Like he was one of the characters. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't imagine like Brady doing that, honestly. Honestly, you know, I mean, the fact that he would come out like during the season – that he was a part of it, even if for a couple of episodes. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not who Tom Brady is. I mean, he could spend some time with the kids and with the wife. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine taking a vacation. But, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, like having some outside interests. I mean, if he wanted to do that, he would just stay retired, right? He come back well, to the box. I guess it's a, they're trying to connect the dots because, you know, it is a Fox show. He works, you know, it's a, he has a contract with Fox as it stands right now to do stuff in the booth. But no way would he agree to do that in the middle of training camp if that was the only reason he was going to leave. Now, Gronk did it. You know, I mean, it was and it was funny. I mean, that, but that's more Gronk's personality. But yeah, I don't know. That, that did seem a little ridiculous, even even when we had no idea what was going on. And we still don't know what, what was going on or what happened. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll find out. I'm sure that there's going to be a, you know many books written about this. And hopefully Tom tells his story at some point. So Hard Knocks, episode three, uh, again, doesn't disappoint the biggest thing to me right now and may, i don't know if it's because of his personality or uh, his status with the team i don't know what it is but we're three episodes in and there's been no no real airtime outside of just some shots from uh practices and maybe on the sideline during uh preseason games of jared goff I mean, usually the quarterback 
and obviously this coach has a huge personality. So, I mean, it's, it was never going to be about Jared Goff. But three episodes in, nothing, no, no, nothing funny going back and forth. You just see him on the field, you know, basically calling, calling the signals and, you know, handing off or throwing a pat, whatever. But you, you, there's no discussion with him, nothing. I, I just find that really, really surprising. Well, Jared Goff has always been a, a quieter type of quarterback. I mean, he's never been the, the biggest rah-rah type of guy. And it's a coach that is like the biggest cheerleader out there on the sidelines and during training camp. I guess the storyline is just going to focus on him. I mean, Knox is about personalities. It's about, you know, find players that kind of gravitate and have something to offer and you know, can speak to the camera well and relate. I mean, Jared Goff has never been the most relatable guy and quarterback out there in this league. So I'm not surprised about this. I mean, he's more of a guy. He kind of stays behind the scenes. And, and Jared Goff has a lot to prove this season because he was criticized last year by Dan Campbell, by the coaching staff. They questioned him when they brought him over, you know, in, in a trade with the Rams. You know, he quickly fell out of favor. So I think Goff has a lot to prove here, knowing that, you know, they have to win a few more games. He has to prove that he is the quarterback of the future or the Lions are going to be picking top five again, and they're certainly going to be looking for a quarterback in the 2023 NFL Yeah, draft. I think at some point they, they probably do move on from him. They're kind of building it, building the team all around for to kind of drop that young quarterback in. So, you know, they, they have a, a strong offensive line. They've got offensive weapons. It's not like a, uh, you know, Zach Wilson jumping in or, or God, uh, Justin Fields in Chicago. I feel sorry for that kid. I don't know if he's going to be able to recover from that mess at this point. And it's going to be a slow build, and he he may not be around to see to see the you know the fruition of the fruits of the the new GM's labor. But yeah, but still, you're the you're the quarterback of an NFL team, even though you know not being out front and so forth. You still have to show that you are the leader of the team. And this is, I don't know, maybe not quite an opportunity, or this is not necessarily how you gain your team, but you've got to be able to show, if for no reason at all, self-preservation, to show that you can be that guy. Not that you completely change your personality, but at least, you know, come out and make some statements to, you know, sound confident, have show some confidence in your teammates and so forth, which I'm sure he does behind the scenes, but you would even think the NFL films people would like really request that. To get, hey, let's hear from this guy. He is the quarterback of the of a start a starting quarterback of an NFL team and we're here with these cameras. We got to get something from him. At least once, right? Maybe it'll be in the you know the next couple of episodes, but uh, should be interesting to see. I think the Steelers and 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 the Lions play this weekend, so maybe that dynamic of does Kenny Pickett get the starting nod over Mitch Trubisky, you know, and maybe they'll work in Goff as part of the quarterback conversation. I don't know, but somehow, some way, you got to hear from this guy, Alex. Come on, and. He's not the most brash, most outgoing. Yeah, all you Cal, all you Cal guys are. Have you ever listened to his? All you Cal guys are have quiet, you, and reserved, and we don't say anything. We don't have any opinions. Come on, Alex, you, you 
get on the phone, use your alumnus status and say, Jared, you got to get out there, man. Come on. It's hard knocks. Have you ever listened to these his press conference yeah, with the Rams or the Lions? It's pretty boring, but still, you got to hear from him. I just think, like, it, it doesn't matter what your status is. If you're the starting quarterback of an NFL team, if you're quite boring, that's not the most entertaining well, no, they're not TV gonna for hard the series around him. I mean, obviously, that's Campbell, that's Deuce Staley, that's Aaron Glenn. I mean, these are the guys, you know, uh, Hutchinson, because he's just – really playing well and he's got a personality so yeah evidently but again i just come back to that you're the starting quarterback of an nfl team we at least have to hear from you given some sort of uh impression that you're kind of in charge of this thing and you're you know you're vested so anyway a couple of i'm just saying if golf if golf and the lines win six or seven games it would be happy about it and the Lions will yeah. keep him as their quarterback next season. That's what he has to do. He has to produce yes, on the field yes. that he struggled with last year. I could care less if he is, like, not the most outspoken well, uh, quarterback. Yes, I understand just from player. that perspective. But I'm just saying just from a TV perspective and this show, and it's kind of like a movie that, you know, you're kind of like taking the kind of that star, co-star, whatever, the quarterback, and, you know, he's in like two scenes and doesn't say much. That That's kind of a tough dynamic. A uh, couple of our guys standing out last week in preseason games, uh, our guy Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal Carolina, huge game, first one half. Now, I don't know if it's because Tyler Huntley's playing playing quarterback or whatever. He has a, a bond with him, but, Jesus, dude, standing out. Eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown all in the first half, and it was all eight targets. So got to like what's happening with Isaiah Likely there. Uh, he was the one that kind of – he like Gorilla was his, his spirit animal, if I remember right. From the inter, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm right. pretty sure. So he's, he's cert certainly taken charge, like uh, the king of the jungle, I guess. And then the, again, he just keeps making plays. The transfer to Division Two, Fair State, the best uh, lacrosse player in the country for it seemed like a couple of years at Maryland. Jared Bernhardt, three targets, three catches, 67 yards. I believe it was against the Jets, but but again. Uh, just he, he just keeps showing up at a couple of kick returns. So a uh, couple of our guys, you know, when I say our guys, guys that we interview, we tend to take some ownership here, but like them, I think you have uh, some not so good news about one of our guys as well. Yeah. Jack Sorensen was uh, one of my favorite views from last season that Lou and I did. And he was with the Bengals before. And um, obviously that, that wide receiver room is deep. And uh, if you're not going to, compete and make plays on special teams you're certainly not gonna make the cut and jack Sorensen got got cut uh, by the Bengals before they even got from 80 to 53 so obviously we'll we'll see if he catches on somewhere else but isaiah like this guy has great seed he's athletic he's got a huge catching radius the athletic tight ends they're like you know you can line them up anywhere you know, Coastal Carolina, they lined him up in the backfield. They lined him up in the slot. They lined him up in line. He showed that ability before, and it's showing up again, you know, with the Ravens out there. So I'm not surprised by that. Kid keep, is going to keep making plays. The only thing that's going to kind of hold back is the fact that the Ravens have Mark Andrews, and he's the go-to guy. But 
Uh, Ravens do like to use multiple tight ends, and that means likely he's going to get one matchups. He could certainly run away from linebackers, and he's stronger than most safeties out there. So keep an eye on this kid. I mean, the Coastal Carolina uh, tight end, He's gonna make some. Uh, he's gonna make some plays for the Ravens during his rookie. Well, yeah, like you said, they're going to use multiple tight ends, and I guess with Rashad Bateman, really the only true, I guess, receiver that you can say is kind of entrenched there. They don't really have a number two that you can say, okay, that's the number two receiver or that's the number three receiver. I mean, it's it's Andrews, right? I mean, he's gonna be the number one option, maybe Bateman number two, but why not likely? Seriously. And I guess the, the more more surprising that likely is doing so well is that I don't know. And again, I but haven't heard one word about Charlie Kolar, the guy that the tight end they took ahead of him from Iowa State, which is just. Yeah, he's been injured. Has he? OK, well, that that he's must. Hurt. Speaking of our guys, Trey McBride out of uh, Arizona, you heard much about him. I haven't. I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, tight ends get taken early, and then you have guys that are taken in the middle rounds that kind of get them. So, but in Arizona, you're not going to get. Yeah, much you got Zach chance. Ertz. I mean, they're going to yeah. spread it around. To you got Zach Ertz and their receivers a little bit better. You know, D Hop, Marquise Brown. So that's a good point there. So another one of our guys that is getting a little bit more shine again, and I, we mentioned him last week, and he's continuing to produce is. Uh, more than likely the number two wide receiver in Indianapolis, Alec Pierce. Tremendous athlete from University of Cincinnati. Really took him a while to kind of get going, but again, it has more to say about that program and Desmond Ritter and the fact that they've had other wide receivers, but Alec is such a great athlete, speed, athleticism, route running. I mean, the whole thing. So, not that I'm shocked that he's doing well, but just the fact that it looks like he is going to be the day one wide receiver number two, that's exciting. I've always been weary of guys that, that you know, have that one great season as, as seniors, but Holy Alec Pierce is going to be able to uh, prove me wrong. I mean, he was a really good interview, and uh, you know, hopefully he's going to be able to make some plays in that, so that's still going to be focused on running the football and we know that Michael Pittman is going to be the number one receiver, but hey, Peter says he does really well in contested situations. He has good speed, athleticism. He's got the size and catching radius. And I saw him high point the ball really, really well during his case at Cincinnati. So hopefully we know that the Colts love those bigger wide receivers and the other one, hopefully he's going to be able to contribute as a rookie in a big way. Well, with a real professional quarterback in there in Matty Ice, I think, uh, yeah, sky's the limit for those that receiver group and plenty of opportunities there for Alec. So that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing our preview show next week. So as far as you know, uh, awards, uh conference winners, division winners, playoff teams. We're going to be hitting it all. So please go ahead and hit subscribe. Don't miss that one. Again, for Alex, I'm Lou. Ooh.